Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Uh, as always, we ask you, please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And most importantly, if you, are, if you like our content, which is both original programming, we have uh, Bishop Caggiano, we have Restless, we have the front line with Joe and Joe, Liv Harrison, um, but also we're an EWTN affiliate, so you get all EWTN programming. Please download the app and share it with your friends so that wherever you are, not just in the New York City metropolitan area, wherever you are, you can listen to Veritas. Um, and also, if you don't mind, follow Joe and I on our social media. You can find us either at the Frontline TV or the Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. Uh, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Now, normally, we, um, we interview authors about their books, generally speaking. Once in a while, we just get to have a uh, a, a free-for-all conversation. And today's conversation is all things Catholic and the kitchen sink. And we are very pleased and honored to be joined in that conversation by Father Paul Check. Now, many of you out there know Father Check. Um, he is local to Connecticut. However, for those of you who do not know Father, I want to give a brief introduction. Uh, Father Paul Check was ordained a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport in 1997. He holds an STB from the Gregorian and an STL from the University of the Holy Cross. He has also taught courses in fundamental moral theology, sexual and medical ethics, Christian anthropology, the Beatitudes, and the parables. He earned his BA in history and political science from Rice University in 1980. 1981, after which he served as an officer in the United States Marine Corps for nine years and prior to entering seminary. He's been a parish priest and a high school chaplain from 2008 to 2016. Father Check was the executive director of Courage International, which we will be getting into in this conversation, uh, presenting to clergy in many dioceses the church's teaching on homosexuality and her pastoral response. Father Check was then assigned as director of St. John Fisher Seminary in the Diocese of Bridgeport for four years, during which time he also served as director of ongoing priestly formation on October 5th, excuse me, on August 15th, 2020. And with the permission of his bishop, he was appointed the executive director of the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in La Crosse, Wisconsin by his eminence, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. Father Paul Check, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe squared. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I gotta tell you so, Father, you're not the first person to call us that. I think I think Raymond Arroyo called us oh, the same thing. So. Oh, very good. Okay. <laughs> I good love enough. it though. Joe Squared's gotta definitely stick. Okay. So anyway, with that, Father, I'm gonna hand yeah. it over to Joe Rasinello and we're gonna have a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. 
Father, could you lead us in prayer before we Please. Begin? Yes, let's do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful, a mother of the word incarnate. Despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray, Pray for, for, us. for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, I mean, Joe and I pride ourselves on doing research uh, before these interviews and, and doing research on your background. Honestly, I feel like I know you. I love all the things that you've done and are doing. Honestly, it, they speak volumes. And what I want to highlight is this, just to kind of encapsulate it. You always did the harder thing. You see, that's what a Catholic man has to do. You went to Rice University. It's a very prestigious school. You're on a track probably to become a lawyer. Instead, you go into the Marine Corps. You serve for five, uh, nine years. Then you come out, you become a priest. From there, you go to India. You work with courage, which, let's be honest, I mean, um, I think it's the most authentically Catholic organization that deals with people who uh, have same-sex attraction. But there's a stigma to that. You do that. You work in a seminary to, to form Catholic men. Catholic men must always do what's hard. <laughs> Please speak about that, because I'll be honest with you, that's the theme that I get when I read your bio. You took mm. the harder route. That's what Christ did. That's what all Catholic men must do. Mm. Well, thank you, Joe. Uh, it's not any particular virtue in me. I, I don't think I ever thought quite as explicitly about it as you have uh, said it, and I've always wanted to follow the Holy Spirit and the grace that has been given to me um, as a priest. But I, I would say, going back to my college days, when the uh, opportunity came to declare myself a Marine option, that there was something in my mind that said, uh, are you equal to the test? Can you give your all? Are you prepared to make the sacrifices? And in one of my Marine Corps assignments, uh, I worked for a man who had thrown himself on a hand grenade uh, in combat to save his buddies. He never spoke about it, but all the Marines in the command knew the story. Uh, thankfully, the grenade was a dud. It didn't go off, but it didn't lessen his active heroism. Uh, and he was written up for the Medal of Honor as a result. And we all wondered, would we have done the same thing that the commanding officer did? Would we have the same kind of courage? Would we be ready to make the sacrifice? And our Lord in John 15, the farewell discourse says, greater love hath no man, but he laid on his life for his friends. That's something that I think is deep within a, in, in the masculine nature. Uh, women have it too. I think maybe in a different expression, but nevertheless, and uh, those stories of heroism and self-giving because they call us to something higher. And so uh, I thank God for the grace that's been given to me. And uh, I've made plenty of mistakes and have uh, fallen and, and failed along the way. But there has been much uh, that I've learned about the human condition that's noble uh, because of those good examples that I've had of, uh, of sacrifice. Uh, both in nature, in the family, and then, of course, in priestly life and in the church. Father Paul Check joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Father, I will say this, um, and I, I am. This is not false humility. I, 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 I don't consider myself to be a courageous person in in the way we would describe somebody. Let's say jumping on a grenade to sacrifice, potentially sacrifice his life for his friends. But I do know something. 
uh, about being challenged in my journey. And as many times, and this pertains to what you were just talking about, I said to myself, I can't do that. I can't do that. And we do that. And it's not judgmental towards other people. It's very difficult sometimes to get into that breach, okay? Mm-hmm. Whether it's praying in front of an abortion clinic with, with the, the, the rabid pro-abort people on the other side, mocking, spitting, doing all those things, okay? I would say this. Um, you're not going to change the world by yourself, okay? And nobody, nobody says you're going to. However, you're not going to know what you're capable of until you do decide to potentially yeah. get into the breach, in, in many ways, not just, let's say, praying in front of abortion clinics, in many ways, being sure. a more proactive Catholic. Talk about the need, Father, briefly, if you don't mind, about choosing something you believe you could possibly do and maybe starting to do it. Get into that breach and test yourself, or let better yet, let the Lord challenge you to see what your potential is in that regard. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Well, of course, at the ba- it's an excellent question, Joe. At the base of it, I think uh, we learn about what it is we love. Uh, for uh, where the heart is, there's its treasure. Or wh- what, what we uh, see as our treasure is, is where our heart is going to be. Um, so we learn about the things we love by the, by the things that we're, or the people that we're willing to make sacrifices for. Uh, this brings to mind a story from the Old Testament. As we know, uh, David is called in both the Old and the New Testament, a man after the heart of God, a man after the heart of Christ, but he also misbehaved on, on a couple of occasions, and we won't soften that. Uh, and on one occasion, he committed a, a, a sin of pride, and uh, as punishment, uh, the Lord gave him three choices. He chose one, but then he offered. Then he decided to build an altar to make the ritual sacrifices of the old covenant, and he went to a merchant to get the materials to buy what was necessary to build the altar. And the merchant said, "King, my king, this is a noble purpose. I will give these to you." And David's response was, "I will not offer sacrifices to the Lord which cost me nothing." Now David wasn't speaking about paying for it. He was saying that if we love God, if we are uh, going to demonstrate that love, then the sacrifices that we make for him are going to cost us. And that's going to be true in any love story. So we learn about what we love by the choices that we make, and we don't start, even my, my former commanding officer, he didn't start with uh, uh, diving on a hand grenade. He had a life of sacrifice that built up to that. Another Old Testament story, uh, it's also from, uh, what, th- this is from the book of Daniel. The three young, ma- young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, originally won't eat the food from the king's table because they want to keep the Jewish dietary laws even though they are living with the Babylonians. They say, no, our fidelity to what we believe doesn't allow us to eat this kind of food. Well, later in the book of Daniel, we discovered that they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, and they are, but God preserves them. So what's the message there, or a message there? Fidelity in the small and hidden things, fidelity in the big things. So there's a way for us to understand divine pedagogy. It's also resident in our human nature that we grow in virtue, but making those simple hidden choices where we say no to ourselves uh, is preparatory for whatever God may be asking of us in, in a larger and, and, and more dramatic or public way. Thank you for that, Father. Joe Resinello. I uh, can't agree with you more. 
um, because sacrifice is at the root of Christianity. Christ gave everything, and frankly, white martyrdom is the road to heaven. Most of us will not experience red martyrdom. It is for all, whether yes. you're single, you're married, or you are in the religious life. I want to talk about a great example of that because it, it, I think it probably has affected you, and I would say it has formed me, and that's the missionaries of charity. <clears throat> in business school, you read case studies. And they're to give you an example of if you're in a situation. I've been Catholic my whole life. Father went to Catholic school. I went to a Catholic graduate school. I've worked with different orders. I've done many different things teaching, as you've done things in the priestly vocation. I have never seen a better example of Catholicism. This is me. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. But I have never seen a better example than the missionaries of charity. Um, I feel like they formed me. I was involved with them very heavily for seven years. I almost felt like I went through an, my like apostolacy right before I got married. I got married in the church right next to where they served. They formed me and prepared me for marriage, my vocation. Um, talk about your experiences going to India, teaching there, what you saw, how they impacted you. And basically, if you ask me their role in the church, because I think it's a phenomenal example of evangelization sure. because they believe leave all the teachings they water nothing down right yet they truly accompany the people who are in many cases the worst of the worst behavior wise poor the whole deal the not like the lowest of the low and they convert them by their yeah. example that's right uh mother Teresa herself said always choose the hardest that was uh a counsel that she gave to the sisters always choose which is most difficult and demanding to call out sacrifice, generosity, and love from the heart. Uh, by working closely with them and knowing them as I have for 25 years, I, Joe, have the same deep impression in my heart uh, of, of the power of their fidelity and witness. Um, it helps to know a little bit about the way they live. They, once they make their final vows, they can go home for a home visit once every 10 years. They don't have health insurance or dental insurance. They don't have days off. They don't have vacations. Uh, they live in open dormitories, so they don't have uh, their uh, own rooms. It's a radical uh, form of self-gift. And uh, for uh, a soul to be able to sustain that over the long period of time requires much more than a determination and an act of the will. Uh, it requires an abandonment and a surrender uh, to the love story with God who sustains uh, the, the person, the sister, in, uh, in their fidelity. Uh, we know from their example, and this is true of other religious orders as well, the kind of joyfulness which is uh, so clear in the way that they conduct themselves. And that's another thing that you can't fake. You can't just sustain it by saying, uh, today I'm going to smile and be cheerful to people. Something else has to be at work. And it is that uh, self-gift, that offering in generosity and loving trust to the Lord, which opens the soul to grace and then transforms them. So mother was able to persuade uh, people to, to, to support the MCs and obviously to persuade women to join uh, her because they saw something in the way that she was living that was truly transformative. And that's why, of course, in a relatively short period of time after she died, uh, she became a canonized saint of the church. 
So I agree with you. Uh, I found my time with them. I, I taught in a formation program uh, for their senior sisters uh, for uh, a long period of time. And I would bring people with me to Calcutta to work in the apostolates, to work in the home for the dying, to work in the home for handicapped children, to work in the orphanage, uh, to work in the men's and women's shelters. And the people who came with me and who were working there also found this transformative for them because they knew that there was something authentic in the, in the sister's uh, example and witness. That's uh, it's 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 one of those things. Father, for those of you who are just joining us, Father Paul Check is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Rosinello in the breach, talking about all things Catholic and the kitchen sink. Joe loves to bring up on the show all the time, Father Check. Like I, I've always uh, thought of it as a powerful example. Every time he tells a story, to for those out there who don't know it, think about the impact on just one person who you would have thought had a very stony heart when it came to these things, Malcolm Muggeridge, right? Mm -hmm. Joe likes to bring him up because it's an important example. Sure. And then I would say, but then the thought in my mind is, that's what the Missionaries of Charity did for this atheist, worldly man who yes. repented after having seen them. How many people, we'll never know until we're in heaven, right. how many people did that conversion have an impact on? It did. You know, and like that ripple yeah. effect from this group of dedicated Catholic sisters in the poorest, poorest part of the world converted this atheist. And like I said, that must have had a tremendous impact well, on, on, on many people. Yes. And you raise a very good spiritual point, Joe. Uh, we can be discouraged by what we see culturally uh, in the civil order uh, and even ecclesiastically. And uh, we want to take stock of what's actually happening in the community, in in the political order, in the world, and in the church. We don't want to pretend. Uh, charity and faith don't require us to do violence to reason and to pretend things are not necessarily bad. Um, but the response to what's uh, challenging is always going to be a greater call to personal fidelity, sacrifice, and love of Christ, because that is within our hands. What we see amongst uh, leaders, wherever they are, what we see in the cultural order, the decline, maybe we'll speak about it later, those things are real. But the response that Christ always asks of us is the same. And it's something that's within our power. It's to go to confession regularly. It's to receive the Eucharist with devotion. It's to love Our Lady and to pray the rosary. It's to live charity at home amongst family members and co-workers and friends. Uh, it's to inform ourselves about the riches and the wisdom of, uh, of, of the, the spiritual treasures of the church. Those are things we can do. And what happens on the other side of a, a transformed heart, as you described, could be something magnificent. But even if it's not, we've benefited because we've become closer to the Lord. And which is, of course, the, the, if you like, the novelty of the gospel. Christ's message is not change the world, it's change your heart. And he gives us the grace to be able to do it. Thank you for that, Father. Joe Racinello. There's no doubt about that. And I always say, I mean, obviously, in the book of James, faith without works is dead. And I always say this. I mean, we have like, if if you want to look at like the Catholic teachings from a logical and linear perspective, you can and they make a lot of sense. And we've been taught them. But it's one thing to see them. You mm -hmm. see, that's what the missionaries of charity taught me. Father, I believe in providence. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't even trust me. Like, yeah. uh, like, I believe in providence because mm -hmm. I have witnessed it. You see, all the things that you talk about, 
change us that then we can do that. And that's how we change the world. Like we have the best story in town, Jesus Christ. He's the greatest human and he was God too, that ever walked the earth. But people have to see this. Mm -hmm. Like we have to live like we have to be open to life. We have to give generously. We have to live modestly and be humble. This is how we change the world. And it's within our power to do it, as you say. And we've been given all the tools. And I'll be like, that's why I used it as a case study. That's what the church yeah. needs to do. Sure. I, honest to God, I've never seen a more powerful light. It changed my life. It convinced yes. me of the church. It, and I bought it all. Well, and thank God for that avenue to your uh, transformation of heart. Um, Aristotle, who lives three centuries or so before Christ, says nothing in the mind that hasn't come to us through the senses, nothing in the intellect, not first in the senses. So uh, what I form impressions about, I gain by what I see, what I hear, taste, smell, and touch. So this is to your point about what's compelling about what's before us. It leaves an impression. And more than that, it stirs up the moral and the spiritual imagination. And that's when grace can really go to work and say, I feel a draw uh, to uh, this sacrificial love. It doesn't mean I'm becoming a missionary of charity or joining a religious order, but my heart is made for that kind of self-giving in and according to my state in life. And having those examples before us, it, it, particularly in the formation of children and uh, young people, is decisive, it seems to me, which is why our Lord walked on the earth uh, for 33 years and did three years of public ministry, so that people could see him and observe him, and, and, and the Christian memory uh, would last. And of course, it's preserved through us through the church and the gospels. Uh, my sermon this morning was uh, uh, where, where our Lord says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't pass away. Well, that's a divine promise, and it's still being fulfilled in people who enflesh the word of God uh, uh, in the world, in the church, in our family, in our community today. I think Father Paul Check joining us to the front line with Joe and Joe, and I'm going to kick it back to Joe. Quick comment. I think that's one of the greatest examples, and Joe and I have been talking about it now. Obviously, the hot news lately is the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I think that what you guys are talking about is precisely why at least this, let's call it a victory. I think it is. Okay, um, the, but this pro-life victory was brought about by what both of you are talking about is if you juxtapose the actions of both sides of this for 50 years, prayerful people, most father in fairness, mostly Catholic. OK, mm -hmm. uh, many out there who are not Catholic, Joe and I have talked about before on the show at the front line, have said if it was not for the Catholic Church, this issue of abortion would have gone away. There would have been some sort of like settlement with it. But but prayerful, peaceful example in the cold in January, five, six, seven hundred thousand people. OK, and not just three old ladies walking down the church, walking down the street in Washington, D.C., young people, old people, everybody in between. You juxtapose that but with what we're seeing now. That is what eventually is going to turn this country. We'll, we'll probably be dead by this time. 
But if we get to that point where this country gets its head straight, it'll be because of that example, because those people acted as Christ would want them to. Yeah, we know what goes on in abortion clinics. Yeah, we could get violent. That's not the response. The response is to trust God. And I think that's that's really what you guys are talking about is to, to, to have that radical trust in God and to respond the way he wants us to respond. And then there are good people, thank you for that, Joe, who are also offering very practical and concrete assistance uh, uh, to, to women who are pregnant. I think of the Sisters of Life, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and others who have generously said, we will help you. Uh, I think a, a foundational message of the gospel is that wherever we have to say no to something, which we uh, are confident is contrary to God's law, it's embedded in a larger yes. It's the yes that is the love of God for us. We are fallen creatures, so we have to stay within certain guardrails or we will do harm to ourselves or to others. But, and, and so the no must be spoken, but there is a greater uh, yes to, uh, the, to uh, uh, all souls. Look, um, another way of thinking of the gospel is the, the, the preaching is very clear. Do not step over the line. Do not commit a sin, because if you do, it's, it's offensive to God. It will harm you and harm someone else. But the other part of the gospel message is if you step over the line, if you commit a sin, there is a way back, and the hand is extended. This is the whole story of Luke 15 with the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost or prodigal son. There is a hand outstretched, and I think that is also something that the church does magnificently after the example uh, of her founder and head. Absolutely. Father Paul Check joining us to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Racinello. Father, you worked in high school as, you know, a chaplain. You also uh, worked as a rector of a seminary. What are you seeing at those levels? I mean, ultimately, what, you know, it's prayer. I'm a very, I come from very basic stock. I believe in basic things. Pray the rosary every day. Go to confession once a month. Try to go to daily mass if you can. Read the Bible every day and fast every week. These are basics. This is not like fancy stuff. And that changes the heart. Mm -hmm. It changes people. What are you seeing people in Catholic schools, people in the seminary who are going to be the future of the church? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? Are those basic things emphasized? Because I'll be honest with you, our faith is for you know, the very, you know, very smart people like St. Augustine, but also Joseph Cupertino was a saint too. Sure. So let's talk about what you're seeing and how we're forming these men and women. Yep. Uh, well, look, I grew up in an era when catechesis was was somewhere between soft and sentimental. And uh, were it not for the observant Catholic family that I came from, I'm not sure uh, what path I might have slid down. Uh, I think that uh, we should be confident that the, that the fullness of the preaching of the gospel is something that's appealing uh, to young minds and hearts because it's made for them, and they are made for the fullness of the truth. Now, of course, the pedagogy and the way we teach, and we've been speaking about the primacy of example, uh, is important, but I don't think we should underestimate uh, the power of the Word of God and the desire of the baptized soul for the Word of God. So let's give them uh, the fullness of the faith. I would say, especially amongst the young men who were under my care for uh, some years at the seminary, there was a desire that their life would have meaning and purpose. They didn't want to make a truce. They were ready to give all. They wanted to be well-formed and well-led, and they were not afraid 
uh, to know the fullness of the commitment that, that, that the church was being, uh, it would, would be asking them to make. Uh, so let's have confidence in, in the message, because of course it originates in the sacred heart of Christ. And let's have confidence in, in the young people who receive it, that this is what they're made for, and they want their lives to have meaning and purpose uh, according to the path that God's providence is leading them on. Absolutely, absolutely. You Joe, know, I, I also could, want to just show your comments real quick because we're going to go. We are going to go to a break in about a minute. But please comment. I just want to comment on the idea. Something that two things that made a deep impact on me as well. I am the vine, and you are the branch. I absolutely agree with that. No matter how gifted we are, we never have any ideas better than the church or Christ. Right. Right. That has been burned into my head because I have tried it and I have failed. My way does not work. How do we communicate that? Because at the fundamental level, I don't know for 2000 years, the large swath of humanity believes that. Yeah. All right, Father, I'm going to just <laughs> hold that thought because okay. this is radio and we do have hard breaks. So we're going to take one right now. But Father Paul Check is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, Way in the Breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. And that's what we're all supposed to be doing. So stick around. This is a great conversation that, of course, can go on for 10 hours. Unfortunately, we don't have 10 hours, we only have one. But we have a great segment coming up so don't go anywhere we'll be right back where there's catholic radio the folks who listen deepen their faith families are strengthened parishes and communities flourish so let people know you're listening to veritas tell your friends to tune in and let's make an impact here for jesus and his church this is steve lee for veritas catholic network Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello, weighing in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Father Paul Check, and we are discussing all things Catholic and the kitchen sink. So the question that Joe Resinello posed, uh, or his comment before the end of the break, was, my way doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I love Father Paul Check's comments on that. <laughs> Neither does mine. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. Look, let's, let's go. We always want to locate all things in Christ, don't we? And in John's Gospel, I want to say it's chapter 7, uh, he makes it very plain that he is passing on what the Father has given to him. So even the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity made flesh, he receives and passes on what has been given to him. St. Paul makes the same point in one of his letters. So uh, the humility of Christ is demonstrated in a number of ways, perhaps most dramatically and fully on the cross, But even before that, the humble, docile heart, the sacred heart, indicates to us uh, the primacy of the Father and his commitment, the Son's commitment to the Father in fidelity, saying, I pass on what I have heard from the Father. So that's the consistent message uh, of the church, and it requires uh, humility. When we look at the three years of Christ's public ministry as recorded for us in the Gospels, and the Church assures us that those are historical documents in addition to being uh, rich in their spiritual content, uh, there's only one occasion that I'm aware of where Jesus actually points to himself and says, make sure you don't miss this. See this virtue in me and then copy it. It's where he says, learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart, Matthew 11. So that moment helps us to 
understand who the Son of God is, and if we want to know the form of his soul or what sometimes is called his spirituality, it begins with his humility. And we know two things. One, it's hard to be humble. But secondly, we know we're attracted to humble people. We see in them a quality that's luminous and, and, and attractive, and we like to be in their company. So that tells us something about that virtue, which, of course, Jesus lives uh, so perfectly. Father, I want to like talk about a story in the gospel also that leaves a deep impression in me that kind of goes along with what you're saying. These were fishermen, common men. Christ says, you didn't catch any fish? Throw the net on the other side. You see, people who are skilled at something will Mm -hmm. say, you're a carpenter. I know yeah. you're, you're Jesus. I get it. But yeah. I do this. I right. know. You yes. see, our church tells us, like three of us, we're educated guys. We're in the world. We're not monks. We're in the world. I mean, like living. You, we interact with people on all forms of, in all forms of life. The church says you can't contracept. The church says you have to like live modestly. You have to give to the poor. You have all these things where in a sense, it doesn't, it goes against, it goes so far against the grain of our society. It's like that. We almost have to be like Forrest Gump. You were in the military. Why do you make that gun? Why did you put that gun together so well? Because you told me to, that's why, because you told me to, I believe in you. Mm. that's where we have to be. <laughs> so, I really- yes, I, I want to confirm what you said there, Joe, because I think it's correct. I know it's correct. And we can use another example uh, from uh, the, the Bread of Life discourse, John 6, where these are already Jesus's disciples, not just people he's preaching to, some among the chosen people. No, these are people who made a commitment to him. And he said, I am the bread of life. If you do not eat the bread of life, if you do not drink my blood, you do not, you will not have life within you. Some found that very difficult to accept. And then he puts it to the 12. Are you also going to leave? Because John 6 records plainly that some walk away because the teaching is so bracing and Jesus forces them to make a decision, to make a choice. And at that moment, Peter, like he did when he threw out the nets, made an act of trust. He hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet because Pentecost hadn't happened, and yet he had listened to Christ. He had found something in his words up until that moment compelling, and he said, no, Lord, we will follow you. Abquem ibimus. Who else could we go to? You have the words of eternal life. So I think we see that radical trust and surrender, but also to go along with that there's an interior resonance because we're made for truth. And after we're baptized, we can recognize spiritual truth. John says in one of his uh, uh, letters, you have the anointing, no one can teach you anything by which he means we still need catechesis, but we can recognize the truth. Just because something's hard or difficult or we interiorly rebel against it doesn't mean it's wrong. And if we give it some opportunity, we will be able to tell, no, this is consistent. With, with my own heart. So yes, there are times when radical trust and surrender get us across. And then of course, we also have examples of people, but the more that we live truth, the more it finds its harmony and resonance within us. And we know, we, we know that we're on the right path in following Christ and his church. 
I want to, uh, we definitely want to talk, Father Check, Father Paul Check joining us at the front line. We want to talk about courage, but, but we did talk about formation. So mm -hmm. I do want to focus on focus. <laughs> um, a group called Focus. I had the privilege of meeting two young people um, at my, uh, at the mass I went to um, over the weekend. And I was very impressed, not only with these two young people, but what they do. What is Focus? Why is what they do important? And, and more importantly, Father, or probably maybe most importantly, how can we support them? So in the, thank you, Joe, in the idiom or vocabulary of today, they're missionary disciples on college campuses, uh, some secular, some Catholic, uh, and their uh, way of uh, um, evangelizing and teaching is through forming relationships with young people, inviting them to scripture studies and inviting them to prayer. Uh, and helping them to understand uh, the faith into which they were baptized, or, or if not, then to help them to find the fullness of the truth uh, in Christ. Uh, I've done some teaching for them and have been around them uh, uh, for some years now, and I have the same uh, uh, wonderful impression of them uh, that, that you do. Uh, they, they have to raise their own financial support every year. So they have to go out and find people who will uh, support them just at the level of basic human necessities for the period of time that they're working as focused missionaries. Uh, and, and that also bespeaks a kind of trust in God's providence, uh, doesn't it? Because it's, it's, a, it's a form of begging, really, uh, to ask uh, people, uh, will you assist us? So that's a very practical way that we can, uh, we can help them. Um, and I think what, what you did to when you see them is to give them encouragement and to let them know that you're sort of part of a network of Catholics who recognize the good that they're doing and want to help build it up. And you talked about, you were talking about being radical. I mean, listen, it's one thing, I, and we all know how difficult it can be, all right, to, to pray in front of an abortion clinic. Uh, as difficult or maybe even more difficult to be a faithful Roman Catholic putting up your 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 table and your sign and your pamphlets on a college campus yes. okay we know that that's what we i guess what we would call in this spiritual battle it's kind of hostile territory all right so you you talk about the the, the radical trust and yes the, you know the, the the bravery it takes uh mm -hmm. to go and do that even like you said father they may be just inviting people to read scripture with them or yes. to to maybe learn more about the Catholic Church, uh, maybe not being you know talking about individual issues, but maybe talking about overall whatever they're doing. That's still hostile, you, yes, you know. It is. So, so again, that, that 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 takes a lot of um, a lot of guts. You know, in in John's Gospel, he uses the world the word world or cosmos. I want to say about sixty times, which is more than twice the other three Gospels put together, and. Uh, he uses it in a couple of ways. Uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And then he says, uh, do not have fear, I have overcome the world. So he uses it both as something which is beautiful and good because it's part of God's creative wisdom, but there's also the aspect of that which is an enmity with God, which has taken uh, a position against uh, a God and against Christ. I think that John's use of that word cosmos is instructed for us because we want to love what God loves, which is uh, uh, the soul of humanity uh, and individual people, but we want to hate what God hates, which is uh, anything, not anyone, but anything, uh, a sinful way of life, uh, uh, structures of sin, as St. John Paul II called them, uh, any, anything that is potentially harmful or dangerous 
to what God loves. So our stance is in the world, but not of the world, but it's not really so much against the world as we are advocates uh, uh, for people. And I think that's, that informs a little bit of the way focus approach these things uh, so that they can win over hearts for the Lord, uh, which of course is uh, uh, the soul of the gospel. And I would just emphasize before I kick it over to Joe, just on a very practical level. Um, and again, we're speaking to many people out there because Father Joe's a working man and so am I. Sometimes we can't get out there, but I will tell you this, that doesn't mean that we can't support those who are well, out there. Exactly. All right. And, and for if a million people, you know, gave five bucks a month, yes. just five bucks a month to a focus or a courage, and we're going to talk about courage or any other valuable ministry out there, yes. okay, in the Catholic Church, guess what? They'll thrive and you are helping to save souls. Yes. So, uh, but we, we unfortunately have, uh, I, I wish we didn't, but we have a limited amount of time. So with that, I'm going to kick it back over to Joe Rosanello. We'll talk about Courage International briefly, because then I want to end the show with uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, because uh, that's a devotion that's very dear to our heart. But also, I don't think a lot of people know about the shrine, which is in sure. La Crosse, Wisconsin. I think it's very important. But okay. with regard to courage, I think it's an authentic outreach to people with same same-sex attraction, um, authentic. It 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 basically comports with the catechism. Um, yes. it, it basically calls people to chastity. By the way, if you're not married, we're supposed to be chaste. You know, there's even levels of chastity within marriage. You yes. know, like like it's authentic. What I want to talk about is I one educate people what it is, which I think is important. But two, I think. Sometimes we get confused what accompaniment means. Right. Accompaniment sometimes, and it's sometimes very well-intentioned. I've even done it in my life, looking back at my life. Like we should never lower our standards, but we have to love people. Yes. Love people where they are. And I think courage does that perfectly, but the standard yeah. is stated and it's it, it's not lowered. Yes. Talk about the organization and the true meaning of accompaniment. Well, of course, a wonderful example of accompaniment is the road to Emmaus, where our Lord walks with the disciples on the other side of the uh, resurrection. He hears them, and then he continues to form them in an understanding of the scripture uh, and an understanding of who he is as the Savior. And so the, the accompaniment has a direction. And the direction is Calvary for us. It's the, 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 the direction of the resurrection. It's the direction of eternal life. And that has a substantive uh, content to it, uh, the fullness of the gospel, and of course, what the church teaches us in the catechism. Courage comes about because there are uh, a handful of uh, men in New York City back in 1980 who desire to live in a way consistent with the church's teaching on the sixth commandment and want to uh, uh, bond together uh, under the care uh, of a Catholic priest so that they can persevere when they know that other messages are uh, uh, incomplete or perhaps even misleading. And they trust that what the church teaches is true, even though it's difficult to live. Um, but foundationally, I would say this to, to both, uh, both Joes, uh, two questions that are in the soul of all of us are, who am I and who is he? Who am I as, as a person, as a son or daughter of God? Who am I as a human being? And who is he? Who is God? And I think all Catholic ministries that are faithful to the gospel are helping people answer that question and to do it with the fullness of the truth. 
And certainly while uh, 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 the, the intimate realm and the capacity for uh, uh, conjugal love and for sex is a part of who we are, it's not definitive in the sense that it is the lens through which everything else must be seen. And therefore, a message of courage and of the gospel would be your identity is not reducible to your sexual attractions. You are a much richer, uh, more profound and complex being than just that. And I think that the ministry itself is sustained by its members who find uh, in the fullness of the faith, in the fullness of the gospel, in the prayer of uh, the community, in the sacraments, uh, in charitable outreach, they find in that uh, a direction, a light, uh, a solace. It doesn't make the struggle go away. No one's saying you will vanquish these attractions. That's not part of it. But growth in virtue does help us to overcome uh, challenges and to help us live more harmoniously uh, with the Word of God. So it's a magnificent apostolate. I used to say that I'm an advocate for a very underserved and unknown population. And that's why I was out on the road a lot talking about the church's teaching in this way to my brother priests at convocations and clergy study days and so on. Uh, and we would always have a member of courage as part of our presentation to give a witness testimonial because those things uh, are very powerful today uh, as they are uh, uh, always. But especially when um, you hear someone who's living in a way that the church, that, that much of the world would say, well, that's not possible. Uh, but they're saying, no, I can. Uh, it's been difficult. I still have the challenge and struggle, but uh, I have found a way forward. One thing I would say, Father Polchek, and then I want to hand it over back over to Joe, is Joe and I, we're we're not we're not bomb throwers here, Father. We we mm -hmm. we don't we don't pick on this one or that one or the other thing, but we do comment at times on those things which which strike us to be wrong, just flat out wrong, sure. mm -hmm. or in contradiction with church teaching. One thing in regards to what you're what you're saying about courage, uh, and it um, and you alluded to it earlier in the conversation, is that they seem to be people of humility. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think that there's some voices in the church, we're not going to get into it today, but there are some voices in the church that, number one, give them short shrift, even though they are being humble and they are mm -hmm. putting the teachings of the church first, okay? Yeah. And those who would say um, that if if I don't accept a certain thing, that I, 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 I hate that person or I hate right. that group. And that's coming from Catholic voices, some of whom mm -hmm. who wear Roman collars. Sure. And I think that's unfair. It is. Okay, yeah, I think no, it's that's very unfair, Father. It, it, no, it's disparaging and it's a little condescending. Uh, I don't claim that I'm an expert in this field, but I worked in it for uh, about a decade. So I formed a lot of relationships with people and got to know their stories and was welcomed into their lives in some way as a priest so that I could assist them uh, ministerially. And uh, I think it does a great disservice to those souls uh, that you're describing, Joe, humble, thoughtful, persevering, uh, to uh, disdain them and, and and not to want to hear them or know them, or or worse, perhaps to pretend there's something wrong with them or that they don't exist. That's not a Catholic way of thinking. No, and it's not. And 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 we have to remember. Uh, and and this is not. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. There is no. There is no love without truth. All right. They go hand in hand. So if you, yes. you, you claim if you're not if you're not being truthful with someone, all right, but you claim to love them, well, you're you're lacking in some way. All right. Um, but we could go on about that for a while. But Joe Rasinolo, listen, 
Uh, if you people always say that we live in the worst times in human history, Father Check, you heard that. I'm sure this is the end times. It, it mm -hmm. never was any worse than this. Okay, I don't know. Mexico in the 16th century was kind of in bad shape. I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. you had human sacrifice uh, yes. uh, and and all sorts. Of, of evils going on. And let's face it, uh, the church had a difficult time in converting the the, the indigenous people of Mexico, uh, yeah. but there was some divine intervention. And with that, I wanna hand it over to Joe. Uh, to Joe's point, uh, he's referring to Our Lady Guadalupe and uh, Cardinal Burke uh, basically built a shrine in Wisconsin of all places. I know he's from there, but you wouldn't kind of like <laughs> draw that, that tie. Talk <laughs> about the shrine. Uh, I've never been there. I've, I've actually done some research about lacrosse. I, I know there's a good school there. I believe it's called Providence School. There's a-, a Providence K Academy. There mm -hmm. we go. I've looked at it. I've actually, that's always my daydream, Father. If I had to go live someplace, that's where I may go. Okay. But anyway, talk about the shrine. Sure. Uh, talk about what Cardinal Burke did. And basically, yes. I think I, a lot of people may be interested in potentially making a pilgrimage up there. Well, I hope so, and I would be happy to hear from anyone who would like assistance in that way. But uh, to your point, um, uh, Our Lady has a way of appearing uh, or placing uh, an emphasis on places that are a little bit out of the way. Uh, and uh, so she doesn't appear in Times Square uh, or Trafalgar Square, and she doesn't appear on major news networks. Uh, she appears to children historically, or to uh, the simple and childlike of heart, in this case, St. Juan Diego. Now, the shrine is not uh, an apparition site uh, of, of Our Lady. There does happen to be one in Wisconsin on the other side of the state, uh, three, three hours and change uh, to the east of us. Um, but my point is to say that the shrine uh, grows up out of the heart of, of Marian devotion of, of a priest uh, who was then uh, Father Raymond Burke and then later becomes Bishop Burke, the bishop of the diocese, because he wants to rekindle in people two things, uh, Marian devotion, obviously being one of them, uh, but the other is the spirit of pilgrimage, which is the oldest devotion, the most ancient devotion in the church. The pilgrimage appears throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph went on pilgrimage. And pilgrimage involves sacrifice. It means I, I disturb my regular routine, and I, I, and I make some sacrifice to go somewhere for a particular intention or purpose. Could be to intercede for someone, to petition for a gift, to give thanksgiving for a gift, to express sorrow for sin, uh, just to receive the grace that comes from being at a, an oasis of, of grace and peace, which I believe this place is. So last year, we had over 86,000 pilgrims. It was our biggest year. We heard, I think, between nine and 10,000 confessions. Uh, and people come here because they're drawn by the maternal charity of Our Lady. And I agree, there are similarities between our time and uh, 500 years ago. The 500th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady to St. Juan Diego is December 2031. So that's about nine years uh, away. And yes, the human sacrifice, the uh, lack of a good catechesis, uh, the, the, the rejection of God, and so on. Eight million baptisms follow in the wake of uh, the apparitions of Our Lady to St. Juan Diego. So the faith is, is, is put down deep 
there uh, in the hearts of, uh, uh, of the Mexican people. And um, we actually have, the, have a grace given to us by the Holy See, which says if a person comes to La Crosse, they can receive the same grace as if they go to the Basilica in Mexico City. I've been there a couple of times. I recommend it greatly, but for people who can't, for whatever reason, go there, they could receive the same grace as, as if they come to us. And uh, so it's a beautiful place. It takes a little bit of effort. Western Wisconsin uh, is the side of the state where we have uh, the Mississippi River. Uh, we have the beautiful bluffs and coolies. Uh, it's actually quite attractive here. Uh, and I think anybody who comes will be grateful that they, they made the pilgrimage. Father, uh, before I hand it back to Joe, we probably have enough time for one more question, but talk very briefly. Uh, I think I think in terms of evangelizing our our Protestant brothers and sisters, I don't like using words like offense and defense, but I think we have to be on a little bit more on the offensive when it comes to our the Catholic Church's view on Mary, mm -hmm. and we need to point out these things the same way we do with atheists who want to let's say deny the actual apparition of let's say Fatima, where where when they're always talking about evidence, the evidence is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I'm tired, Father, of being defensive all the time and defending our view of Mary. We should be on mm -hmm. the offensive because history has changed because yes. of Our Lady. That's right. We could demonstrate that. Yes. In other words, you know, using our reason, we could demonstrate that. You could use Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Fatima. Talk about the need to be on the offensive when well, it comes to our view of Mary and say, no, you're missing out, dude, not us. I would say friends love what their friends love. And I'm not talking about, you know, whether somebody likes lima beans or not, which I don't. So even if you're my friend, I'm not going to like them. I'm talking about friends love the quality of, uh, of someone's heart that uh, their friends love because they recognize the, the good in it. Well, Jesus Christ loves his mother and loves her more profoundly than any other creature, which is why he bestowed upon her the tremendous graces through the Immaculate Conception, which is to prepare her to be the vessel of grace of the incarnation for the salvation of the world. So it's of interest to anyone to want to know why Christ loved this woman so uniquely. And uh, there are many ways to explore that. And the, the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe is one of them. Mary has spoken very briefly, modestly, and reservedly in salvation history. Uh, but when she does speak, uh, her son, of course, has uh, prepared the way for those words to reach deeply into our hearts. So let's just look at the quality of the woman herself, the kinds of things that she said. She doesn't draw attention to herself except to draw attention to her son. And she is also, uh, uh, therefore, the exemplar of humility for us. Doesn't she say in scripture, my soul magnifies the Lord? Yes. My soul yes. makes the magnify to make clear. My soul yes. magnifies the Lord. All right. It's in scripture for all the soul of scriptura folks out there. It's in scripture. My soul yes. magnifies the Lord. We only have a couple minutes left. I want to hand it back over to Joe, Father. Paul Check mm -hmm. joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Father, I'd like to end the conversation with uh, adoration. I think this is how we change the world. Um, Abe Lincoln said, if someone gave me 15 minutes to chop down a tree, I'd spend 10 sharpening my axe. That's not the way we approach sometimes evangelization, I think, as a church as a whole. I think we have to sharpen our axe by sitting before our Lord. Yes. I said this to Joe when we started this endeavor. We have to 
become very prayerful. And the closer we come to God through prayer, the better the show will be. Mm -hmm. I think that's how we touch people. And that is at the heart of that is adoration. Talk about the need for it. I think that is our answer in the American Catholic Church to convert the world. Well, Father, and, Father, a couple of minutes. We got about okay. two minutes left. Okay, very good. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Well, let's look at uh, go back to the bread of life discourse and our Lord's insistence uh, on the centrality of His own Eucharistic heart, which will now be shared under the appearance of bread and wine, where we receive His body, blood, soul, and divinity. So that comes to us through the sacrifice of Calvary, and Calvary and the Last Supper are one uh, mystical uh, uh, union. Uh, uh, of, of Christ's self-giving. Uh, and then we have the aspect of communion, which we want to re- uh, uh, receive uh, uh, with devotion at Mass. But then the third piece is presence, God's abiding presence. Uh, Chesterton in the poem Lepanto describes the taper- tabernacle as the hidden room in man's house where God sits all the year. And in exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, he steps out of that house so that we can be in his presence in the most profound way. And by doing that, uh, with humility and with trust, marvelous things will happen. And we bring to him our concerns, our hurts, our disappointments, our hopes, uh, our thanksgiving, uh, our trust, our love. And then he, as Joe said a moment ago, will magnify those things. Uh, remembering that the the miracle of the 5,000, the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels, is the magnification of the small offering that the apostles make, which Christ in turn changes into plenty to feed the group. Well, he will take what's small but not disdained by him, the offerings that we make in front of him in the Blessed Sacrament, add adoration, and he can do mighty things with them if we will but give him the chance. I think one of the things the world lacks today in abundance is peace. Uh, There's too much noise. Uh, There's obviously division. In front of the Blessed Sacrament, we can find that peace, and that will lead us more deeply into the heart of Christ. Father Paul Check, that is a great way to end the conversation. Hopefully we will have you back to continue it. Um, but I think this has been great. It's been enlightening for, for our audience out there at the front line with Joe and Joe. So thank you very, very much for coming on the show. You're very welcome. God bless you both and all your listeners. Thank you very much, uh, Father Paul Check, And thank you all out there for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Uh, And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.